Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, Tuckians? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckabillies? What the fuckaholics? What's going on? It's Mark Marin. This is my show, WTF. How's everybody doing? Thank you for joining me here in your head. I appreciate being here. I like taking up space here for a little while. I hear a lot from you people. I hear a lot that uh, sometimes my voice is so um, invasive that uh, some other things in your lives get narrated by my voice. I'm honored. I appreciate that. Uh, I will not seek any compensation for being an inner narrator, even when I'm not being piped into your head, because I'm a big-hearted guy. And I appreciate, uh, you know, living in your head, whether I'm I'm talking into it or just there, occupying space. As long as it's not obsessive and weird and you're not coming to kill me. Ah, that got dark awfully quick. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, Nick DiPaolo, who I have known since 1988. Nick DiPaolo, stand-up comic. Some of you know him from uh, Tough Crowd. Some of you know him from stand-up. Some of you know him from his show with Artie Lang a while ago. Some of you know him from things he said that upset you. But uh, Nick and I have been friends for coming up on 30 years. And uh, I did one of my first gigs opening for Nick DiPaolo. I've known him a long time, and I talked to him on a trip to New York. And, uh, you know, Nick is Nick. So brace yourselves. If you're if you're the type of person that requires bracing of oneself. Also, in a minute, uh, Brian Regan uh, stopped by. He uh, he's got a, a pretty exciting uh, bit of business happening. Brian Regan this Saturday, September 26th, he will be performing the first ever live stand up special in the history of Comedy Central. Brian Regan live from Radio City Music Hall is this Saturday night. Watch it live as it happens at 9 p.m. 8 central. So Brian came by to talk about doing that live special, and he brought Joe Bolster with him. Now, Joe Bolster, myself, and Brian all hosted a show called Short Attention Span Theater on Comedy Central back in the day. It was my first gig on television. I was not happy about it, surprise, but I did it because I was broke, and I learned some things doing it. But it was interesting that Joe came. Joe opens for um, for Brian sometimes, and I had not seen Joe in years so I put him on the mic, and it was like this weird reunion <laughs> of a past host of Short Attention Span Theater, and we had fun. We had, we had more uh, more fun than I anticipated. I always knew Brian would be fun, but then there was a uh, Joe was here, and I was like, "Wow, this is, we just upped the fun ante, right?" 
I appreciate all the uh, kudos and excitement over the Keith Richards uh, interview. A few uh, bleeding deacon types of sober people uh, got a little concerned uh, with the cigarette. Uh, some insinuations were made. Well, what if he'd offer you heroin? What if he'd offer you a line of Coke? What if he offered you a cocktail? I wouldn't have done those. There's that answer. Well, why'd you, why'd you smoke? You, now you're going to start smoking again. One guy who was, I think, uh, you know, fairly uh, sensitive to the situation and the possibilities of the situation said, oh, great. Now we're going to have to listen to Mark Marin trying to quit cigarettes for six months in the monologues. I'm here to report that because I'm completely saturated with nicotine again on a daily basis through nicotine lozenges, I have not had another cigarette uh, since I smoked that cigarette with Keith Richards. I have no plan to smoke another cigarette. I know that a lot of people say that, but I'm really, I don't think I'm in the, I don't think I'm in the woods. I think I'm out of the woods. I knew I was out of the woods when I smoked it. It was risky just to smoke it because I had already sucked a bunch of lozenges, but uh, I wanted to share a smoke with Keith Richards. And I think a lot of you understand that. Who wouldn't do that? amazing day in my life and i'm glad i was glad i got to share it with you and for those of you people let me let me let me say another thing while i'm here because i'm sensitive and uh, i get uh, aggravated and angry sometimes over over little things but here's the deal if i don't ask the questions that you think i should ask you should seek to do an interview with the person i'm talking to that's how that that works if if the interview falls short of what you think you would have asked you should you should make contact with that person and get those questions answered because I do what I do. And uh, for those of you who listen and are still hung up on answers and not hung up on feeling, uh, I think you're missing the point of what happens here on a good day. That said, those of you who'd like to see me in Australia, here's your chance to take a trip to Australia. If you live there, it's going to be easier. But if some of you are like, when, when should we plan to go to Australia? Well, October 15th uh, would be a nice day to go to Sydney because I'll be at the State Theater that night. Or if you're thinking Melbourne would be fun, October 16th would be the day to see that city. Uh, I'll be at the Palais Theater. And if Brisbane is on your mind, uh, you should make that trip on October 17th because I'll be at the Brisbane City Hall. So... If you live in Australia, those dates are for you as well. But I was just trying to encourage a tourist activity in your country for those of you who live in Australia, for you Aussies. Also, I'll be at the New Yorker Festival on October 3rd. That's all I know about that one. I imagine you can look it up. Uh, New Yorker Festival on October, the evening of October 3rd. I'll be somewhere uh, in New York doing a thing, a talk. God knows I need to talk more. What else? I, I got some interesting news I, that I like to share. I think it's pretty exciting news that uh, you know somewhere in the last month, somewhere in this month, um, we crossed a pretty big mark. It's a big number, uh, but this show WTF? Uh, this happened this month. I don't know the day I could find out, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we crossed the threshold of two hundred million downloads since the day of this show's inception. And that, uh, and I, the weird thing about that is, uh, it was less than two years ago that we crossed the 100 million mark. So things have picked up, but that's a big number. And man, if I had a dollar or a quarter or a dime, I even a penny for every one of those downloads, wouldn't that be something? Let me uh, do this now. Let's go to my conversation. This is Brian Regan and Joe Bolster and myself, all three of us, previous hosts of Comedy Central's Short Attention Span Theater. And again, Brian's special 
uh, is this Saturday, September 26th. It's the first ever live stand-up special in the history of Comedy Central. Brian Regan, live from Radio City Music Hall, uh, is on this Saturday night. You can watch it live as it happens at 9 p.m., 8 central. So here's me, Brian, and Joe. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. Is it historical? It's historical. Um, it's, yeah, I guess in a way. Come on, don't be, uh, what do you call it? Historic, modest? Historic by Com- Comedy Central's never done one of these. Yes. Well, it's going to be happening while you're doing it. That is correct. With no delay. Well. There'll be a little delay. There'll be a little delay. A six second delay. Yeah, they have to have a little delay. Yeah, did was that a, a negotiating point? Were, were you a stickler? And it's not like what are you, you're ready. Did you say I want no delay? Well, I think that's I, you know I, I, even Saturday Night Live anything has a six second delay. Yeah, because you legal never reasons, right because you right? never know when some idiot's going to lose his fucking mind. <laughs> See right there. I hope we're on delay, Mark. I I hope that gets bleeped out. I, I apologize to Mark's <laughs> listeners for that. So your tapes on the twenty sixth. And yeah. is this an hour you've been doing for, what, the last six months, year? Uh, well, I mean, I've been, like, zeroing in on this particular hour yeah. because, you know, you need it. It's, it's that weird tightrope. You want it in your bones, but not so much in your bones that you suck all the funny out of it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you want to you'd want to at least uh, uh, feel like you're engaged with it yes. and not walking through it. Yeah, yeah. You have that weird moment where you're like, "Look at that guy doing my jokes." <laughs> oh fuck, that's me. <laughs> right, the out of body thing. There's me saying some memorized stuff. <laughs> have you had that before? Yeah, I've had it. I, I mean, as soon as, as soon, yeah, as soon as I feel like that, then I will automatically not say it the way I'm supposed to say it, just to get back into real mode. Sure, sure. You just know? You know, I'd rather clunk through a joke. And have it be real, then say it perfectly and have it not feel funny. Right, yeah, right. And it, does it bother you if uh, you, you don't feel like it's funny and you just sort of walk through it and you were thinking about something else and they're all laughing and rocking in their yeah, chairs and there's yeah. party that's like, look at them, fooled them again. <laughs> I'm not even present. <laughs> no, I don't like that feeling. It's horrible. Yeah, because it's like uh, it's that feeling of mailing it in is a horrible feeling. Well, I, yeah, I, well, I always want to feel like I'm there in the moment. Right. Why would you want? Uh, yeah, we could have done another job. Yeah. If we were going to mail shit in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, some type of mailing person. Is you a mailing person or just a guy that just does this and goes, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it and then just sit there, whatever that is. Yeah. So you were, you got the, uh, the honor of uh, doing one of Letterman's last bit of shows. Yeah, man. I was, uh, I had done what I thought was my last one in October of last year. 
I usually do one about every nine months, so I thought, all right, that was probably my last one. And then uh, my manager, Rory, called to tell me they wanted me to do one more, and uh, it was great. Rory Rosegarden? Rory Rosegarden. No kidding. I did, how did, I, did I know you were with Rory Rosegarden? Rory Rosegarden. What's his brother's name? Peter Rosegarden. Rory and Peter Rosegarden. Yes, with a T. Famous for handling the Romano and the Robert Klein is what I know. Yes. Yes. And Joe Bolster. And Joe Bolster, who's in the house... He's in the room. He's in the garage. We're going to get him on mic in a second because we all share a weird common history. Bolster, uh, I I remember at one time sported a mustache, but we'll talk about that. (laughs) There was... (laughs) Am I am I wrong about that? No, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be boy. That's a big tease. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll be back. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that right right around yeah. in a few minutes. Right after these words from our spot. <laughs> Remember Joe Bolster's mustache <laughs> coming back at you. So uh, all right. So what was it like with the Letterman? Did he talk to you? Uh, did you have a relationship with him? I've done the show like four times, and he he was always one time he uh, I sat down on the chair, and he uh, he actually said, uh, "You can get that stuff to work at clubs." <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, I, I never, you know, well, I I saw him backstage once or twice, you know, before a show, but we never hung out. You know, what right. I mean? everybody knows he's not that, right. He's not a social person right. in that regard. And and I've like jokingly in interviews, you know, people say, "What's Dave Letterman like?" And I would say, you know, just to be ridiculous, I say, "Well, I was I was flying a couple days early, and he and I go out to Central Park because he likes to fly kites, and we'll fly kites together." You know, thinking right. you're so over the top absurd that they wouldn't. And then an interviewer would go, "Really? I didn't know that he was into kites." And you go, "Oh, jeez, now I gotta now I gotta bring this back." <laughs> yeah. Does he like the complicated kite or a classic, Is he classic? single single yeah. piece kite? Single. <laughs> Some of those kites, they got fish, many parts. <laughs> and then I got to start Googling kites while I'm uh, while I'm on the air with a guy going, no, yeah, no, we're going down this rabbit right, hole. Didn't, didn't know this bit was going to keep going. I was not prepared for the improvisation. Now I'm talking like Brian Regan. See, see how quick it happens? How quick it happens? But uh, you, did, you did that show like a, like a lot. Yeah, I, I think it was 28, and I uh, was honored to do every one of them. Uh, the last one I was on, Ray Romano was also on. He was the first guest, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a very nice moment where he told Dave that his life changed on that spot, the stand-up comedy spot. Oh, yeah. He said, I went out there, and I had a set, and your people called me a couple days later. Oh, that's right. And you changed my life, and Ray Romano got emotional you know, on the show. Uh-huh. And Dave said, why don't you go out there and stand on that spot again? You know? Oh, man, I'm going to cry. And I'm backstage going, I got to go stand on that spot. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I got to follow a, a, a guy crying standing on a spot, and I got to go out there and make people laugh on that spot. I'm here to do the job that that spot requires. <laughs> yeah. This is not a nostalgia journey yeah, for me. No, I don't have, have to work on that spot. <laughs> get off! Get the tears off that spot. <laughs> that spot's not for crying. <laughs> But That's it was true. a really nice moment for Ray. And, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he said that he had never been able to thank uh, Dave Letterman publicly like that. So it was a good thing for He's him. He's a sweet guy, that uh, Ray. Absolutely. You know? 
And I've been somewhere backstage, Rory Rosegarden was going, I got two guys on tonight. <laughs> two of my guys on. <laughs> but uh, but so you really just passing conversation with him generally, just like, good job. And he shakes your hand and you stand there yeah, with him. Yeah, just the moment where yeah. he comes, you know, you finish your set and then he <sighs> walks up from behind and you have to pretend like you don't know he's right, walking right, up. You right, know? just stand there. You don't want to turn around right, right. because what if he isn't coming? Right, yeah. <laughs> there straight. is that weird few seconds where you're just standing you're there just like- looking forward, yeah. going, I think he's oh, walking he up. Oh, hello, hey, hey. I didn't know you were coming up from behind me. It's so wild to be out there and know he's stand- sitting there. It's so trippy, man. I get, I'm going to miss him. Oh, yeah. I, I think he. I think comedians, most comedians the- love Dave Letterman and his yep. comedy and his style. He's the best. He introduced a, a style that had not been prominent before he was right. on the scene. And I think that's why comedians really you know, love yep. what he did. The endearing crank. Yes. Yeah. Well, you when Dave Letterman had the daytime talk show. Oh yeah. You know, before they yeah. realized, well, no, it's not for you know <laughs> that that audience. But um, when he was going to be replaced, his final episode, he did a tribute to the show that was going to replace his show, which was going to be Card Sharks or Card Sharps. <laughs> right, right. And he had like fifty-two people dressed like playing cards coming out and walking <laughs> around, and it was so it was yeah. so f- subversive and funny that he was making fun of the show that was going to replace him. Oh yeah, he he had just enough fuck you, you, yeah. you know. What I mean, yeah. more of it when he was younger, and then it kind of smoothed out, and mm-hmm. we had a nice palatable fuck you at the core of it. <laughs> You know, that's important. You don't see that enough on TV. Yeah. Now, are, is Joe going to open for you? Joe, it's time to get on the mic, Joe. Joe Bolster, ladies and gentlemen. Joe, the, the Joe Bolster. Joe Bolster. I have felt like Teller for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, I should tell my audience, Joe Bolster is a comedian, but he also, and I didn't remember you doing this, I hosted uh, Short Attention Span Theater, which was a show uh, originally hosted by uh, John Stewart and Patty Rossborough. Yes. Which uh, then uh, I think became just Patty Rossborough. Correct. And, then, and to, then, then to Brian. And then Brian Regan hosted it. And then Brian and I co-hosted. Oh, you two co-hosted For it. A brief period. It's Get on that mic, Joe. You well, know how sorry. to do it. Yeah. We were you know, reminiscing today. If you'd like to ever see us, you can go down to the Museum of Radio and Television <laughs> where we've been archived. <laughs> uh, then Brian left. Yeah. Uh, he did not like train wrecks. And and it was I, just you? Yeah, and I Mustached? No, this was post-mustache. I, we'll get the mustache in a moment, Mark. <laughs> okay, I'm our sorry. Viewers are, I'm, our I'm, listeners I'm, are... I'm burying the lead. Burying the lead, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what happened when I took over is they then auditioned my replacement with me on camera. Which one was that? Uh, they brought in uh, Randy Kagan and Rashumba, who was a model at the Rishumba. time. Remember Rishumba? Remember No, I don't remember at all. She couldn't read the prompter. So, uh, <laughs> so you're auditioning, you're, you're put through the humiliation. Yes, of, of you know... Finding my replacement, and then they wound up this guy, Mark S. Allen, who was a, a, a radio DJ personality or, yeah, from Sacramento. Yeah. Is it San Diego, Sacramento? He's somewhere I think. out here. And the thought was, he's young and looks good, but he had no comedy chops. He looked plastic. Yes, he had the Kendall kind of. And I think like, I came in after him. You did, and then and then Robert Small, known for the Unplugged series, that was his big claim to fame. You know, just put a curtain up. And uh, he said, we're going to revamp it. So they, they just trashed the whole premise of the show. And what did it become? Oh, you didn't watch it at all? Thanks, oh, Joe. Sorry, I, I, I had to sit through your you. fucking show. I've got, them, I've got them all on tape, Joe. I, 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 Thank you, Brian. I was I watching pre- some last I, I, night, <laughs> Mark Marin in front of the curtain. No, I'm, it wasn't. No, no. That was what he was known for. You, oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm no, trying to lie my way through right. this. To uh, You remember the vault. It was the concept was we were in the comedy vault in the basement at Comedy Central when there was an elevator that I'd come out of. And there were several elevator operators. Frank Santarelli was my elevator operator briefly. And you'd have chat with him on the way down? Yeah, we'll chat. And then I'd come out. And then 
what they do is they just bundle together a theme for the day based on free promotional clips. So <laughs> if we were doing a Carson theme show, it was because they just released the best of Carson. I see. And we'd be like, you remember this gem? Wow. And I had to, uh, I had to like, when I first got there, I had a fight for them to get a writer in there that would write me jokes. They had me doing these weird throws to clips. All I remember is saying this before I lost my mind. <laughs> I said, next up, a pithy python pear. Oh, man. And that's when the, you know, we went to clip and I go, I need what the fuck? I'm a comedian. You know? I'm a literate. That was the turning point. That was it. Mark the pithy Maron's python career. pear. And then John Groff came in and that was his first writing job. Who He later went on to be a head writer at Conan. You, you know what yeah. was very hard about that show when we were doing it? You know, they, they would like... Uh, put themes together you know they, right. they would like have three or four comedians talking about Airplane tennis food. shoes yeah. oh right okay and then they were doing it it wasn't going out live but they were trying to do it live to tape while they were doing that while they're showing those clips they would come up to me and say we're 45 seconds short wing something about tennis shoes <laughs> so i'm like they got to come back. I got to follow three of the best comedians yeah. in the world doing their tightest <laughs> tennis shoe stuff. And I got to wing something off the top of my head about tennis shoes, which, of course, can't even come close to what everyone had just seen. Right. And just let everybody just kind of land with the thud at home going, ha, ha, ha. He needs a he needs a co-host. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bring in Joe Bolster. In we need a laugher. <laughs> right. Get a laugher up there. So you ended the show. I you buried the last it. One. Yeah, I put the I put I buried that thing. It wasn't bad, I guess. I you know, it's weird that like cuz you you've had opportunities in television that you you've just uh you know how it goes. It's limiting somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm trying I mean, to we, be diplomatic. we have complete autonomy as comedians. <laughs> exactly. And then to get into a world where you don't is it's, challenging. Yeah, it's like having a job. Yes. Uh, well, that's exciting, man, and, and I'm happy for you. What What else do you want to, uh, to Well, add? I think we should get to my mustache. <laughs> See, look at that. That's that's how lazy I've gotten as You've a broadcaster. <laughs> that was the like, big thing we were working tease. towards. But, okay, there was a decision. There, now, well, back in the day, in the early 80s, Maxwell House decided yeah. to do a campaign featuring comedians, Maxwell House Coffee. Oh, my God, there's a real story here. Yeah, and they, would, they had you come in, and you, ha you had to do, write the copy. So yeah. You had to prepare your own material that was coffee-related. Uh, and so I was one of the guys they brought in, and I, I came in, and they said, well, we don't like you with a mustache. Uh huh. So I said, well, I'll shave it and come back tomorrow. So I shaved it and came back uh, the next day, and they said, we still don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and were you like, fuck? Yeah, it took me time. This was my hook. Oh, Can you bring back just the mustache? <laughs> just put we, that out there. Use that on the can. <laughs> <laughs> Could you voice the can with your mustache? Well, you look well, man. It's good to see you. Thank you. It was a nice surprise. And uh, good luck with this thing. It sounds like it's going to be hilarious. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug the date like a professional. September 26th at 9 o'clock p.m., <laughs> Is there some part of your brain that's sort of like, no, I'm going to do something I've never done before? Um, I hope they got that pixelating machine ready. <laughs> yeah! I'm growing a mustache. Well, you better get on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was fun. It was good seeing those guys. I don't know if you know this, I like hanging out with comedians, because I'm a comedian. I like hanging out with guys that do the thing that I do as well. Huh? How do you like that? Anyway, got Nick DiPaolo in a second, and he, it's it's very interesting 
how far back I go with that guy. I bring it up to him. I talk to him about it. So now, enjoy. And as I said, those of you who might be sensitive to particular tones, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to, whatever. Nick is Nick. And uh, Nick and I have known each other a long time. And Nick is my friend. And uh, and he's got he's got some stuff going on. If you want to see Nick, I believe you can go to Governor's on Long Island this weekend. I remember that being a good room. I remember having a great sound system. But the last time I played Governor's, you could still smoke there. But uh, if you're on the Long Island, go to Governor's to see Nick DiPaolo. He's at the Gramercy Theater in New York City on October 17th. And you can get his special Another Senseless Killing at NickDiPaolo.com. Please, please join me as I talk to Nick DiPaolo. You had, you had fucking Obama on. There's I know. But it was funny because when we were setting this up, you, I, I went out of town when you were supposed to come out. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to. You had the president on. What am I going to do? I was honest to God. Even now, I'm walking across the street. I'm going, Jesus Christ. He must be going, what the fuck? What am I? Oh, no, no. I don't, doing? I don't feel this. I don't feel that way at all. Because with me, you know, that whole thing was it was an amazing honor. And as an American, the president says he want to talk to you. Dude, dude. <laughs> you know? Well, you're, you're you know, what I call you now you're, you're uh, like Dick Cabot. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, how yeah. I look at you. Right, uh, right, one right. of the Smothers Brothers. Uh, yeah. Kind of a hip. Uh, right. You know talk I mean? guy. Conversation. Well, that's a fucking great thing to be. Yeah. But it was it. But you were impressed. Dude, I was blown away. I was fucking blown. I woke up excited for you when I when I read that. Seriously. It was the only time you were excited about Obama. That's exactly right. Trust me. He belongs in a garage. Listen, uh, no, I, 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 I was so excited for you. And I actually said this. I said to my wife, Marin, who's a friend of mine? Yeah. I, I get a friend of mine interviewing the first black president, and they're talking about my old roommate, Louis C.K. <laughs> it's not the greatest country on the face of the earth. It Are is, you right? shitting me? <laughs> That's so funny. And the fact is that, like, we go... I want to talk about your house, though, but maybe we'll work <laughs> up to there. All right. Well, you, so you just got a good deal on something. It's so funny. We were living in Tarrytown, me and my wife. We moved up to Tarrytown and like, is, went to Tough Crowds. Right. That, that, that's, that's 15 miles south of where my present house is. Right. And uh but my wife's such a like a financial genius. We lived in this condo right near the the, the opening of the Tappan Zee Bridge. You've yeah. probably been by it a million times right. It's a complex. And um we were there for a couple of years. Tough crowd was on. I, I had saved a lot of money even before then. So and, you were like not only a regular but were you were writing on the show? Uh I I don't think I got a writer's credit. I but was you were like every you were there every day. You want you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> yeah, I was well I was supposed to be on they had contract for us, and I was scheduled to be on twice a week. Yeah. And after, like, the second or third episode, I get called in by Comedy Central and Colin. Yeah. He has a serious look on his face, and everybody's talking, like, in these cryptic... I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Well, you've been making a lot of Jew jokes, and uh, you don't do it with a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual meeting. I go, what are you talking about? And they go... I, I said everybody was making Jewish jokes in an episode. Yeah, but you weren't really... <laughs> I go, I want to see the fucking tape. Give me the tapes. Did they show you the tapes? Yeah, I brought them home. People were laughing their ass <laughs> off. But I was saying some over-the-top shit. Yeah. Uh, but so so it was a big contract. Colin and Colin said to me he had to keep me from getting kicked off the show completely. Uh-huh. So now you know who really runs show business. Yeah, the, That one turned out yeah, to be Col- true, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least in Comedy Central. It was so weird. Colin's like... Oh, 
uh, and the, I remember he goes, I don't want you to be that guy. And I'm like, uh, they were all, all these cryptic. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. I go, what did I do? What, what does that mean? You don't mean the guy. The guy that, who gets fired for I guess so. jokes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they were jokes. They were yeah. just that. It's the same shit we were doing at the Comedy Cellar table. Yeah. And that's the whole idea well, that, of that, well, that was why people loved that show and why it was probably a threat to everybody is that it was jokes. But, Absolutely. You know, but, but it still got a little hairy. And, and, I, and you know what? I do. I know when I'm on stage... People have told, you know, sometimes I don't say it with a smile on my face. You know me. I'm way too intense for my own good sometimes. Well, it's weird. But you know when you cross the line. Oh, fuck yeah. But it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. And I don't think that sometimes I don't think there is a line. Your line might be here. Mine's 500 feet down the road. Right, but you know when it's not funny anymore. I have a trouble. <laughs> I really have trouble going. Is it was that uh, just mean or was that funny? I, as I get older, you do, I have right? even worse. Well, there's you that, notice wh- you get jaded. Well, I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> I don't know when the anger, you know, like uh, became first and foremost. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I started with you. I, I know. mean, you were but you were angry too. No, no, no. I was, and 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 I think arguably not not that funny sometimes. <laughs> but you're always on the right side of the. Kinda. The joke. I don't know if I was. You know, like I, when I look back at it, there were definitely jokes I did at a different time where it was meant just to see if I could get away with it, with to push the buttons. Right. But if I really think about them, there's a couple of jokes I did where I'm surprised people didn't come up to me and go, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's that's wrong minded." <laughs> well, but my my stuff sort of goes against, you know, the uh, the uh, showbiz. Right. But you know, but, I lean but, a little to the right, and that's not always very popular. Well, that's right. That's you true. know, and yeah. showbiz. In the showbiz uh, world we live in, but right. uh, you were always uh, aggravated. Yes, and then it. No, I know a little vista, you know. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The before the show, you get bored after being at the cellar for twelve years. Couple I start, cocktails. Yeah, that brown liquor makes me fucking angry. Took me, took me two cancellations to realize it. <laughs> that it was the booze. That's it's still, I have to watch myself. Oh, really? Because you, your brain changes. It cha- Without me, you know, nobody yeah. would point it out to me. Everybody's That's like hilarious. afraid of me. Yeah, right, right. Nobody would point. Well, you get out. a little intense. Yeah, well, well, you remember, I well, I think we talked about this once before, but probably a long time ago on on the show. I did my, I think my first uh, paid gig in Boston, opening for you in, in a gunk in, in Maine. Yeah. Yes, Captain Nix. You you were you had just come off rehab. You'd taken a few years off. Well, no, right? I was in L.A. and I'd come back. I'd come back to. I oh. came back to Boston where I went to school to start comedy over again. And then I, I think it must have been. I wonder if it's even before I came in second in that riot. And, like, it might have been right before me. Barry Katzman's throw me some bones. Yeah. And that's when yeah. I met you. And, and you, you were up, yeah, walk into that. Fuck, I drove up to a gunkwit. Yeah. Captain I, Nicks, I still, I went by there a few years ago. I think yeah. it's still, the sign was still there. Really? Yeah. It's, it's still open. Yeah. And it was, like, the, in the bar area. I kind of remember it. You, you walk in, <laughs> and the bar's on the left, and the stage is right there when yes. you walk in on the left. That's exactly how I remember it. Right. And you were all nervous because you had to do like, look, what's funny? Half is you, hour. How about you open for you now? You're interviewing Obama. I know. That's <laughs> wild, right? I got Joe Matarese on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 but see, I still like the, the funny thing is the week after I did Obama, I did Rich Voss. I, I made sure that. <laughs> what the fuck am I worried about? Nothing. He you pro- don't need to be worried about it. He provide a nice buffer with Voss. It was funny because what am I going to do? I so love I Voss. Yeah, me too. I, I interview Obama. So what? Has everything changed? Well, how many things? Well, I don't know thing- about you. I thought you might be. You've really changed. We're talking about my personality. Right. You've you've gone the other way. 
There yeah. was a time when you and I had such negative energies, both of us. You'd right. walk into the comedy cellar and literally a, a rain cloud would form over that table and start pouring <laughs> on other people. And you I mean, and I would just laugh. I know. It was it was it was true. And they were going the different directions, but I don't think they were essentially the different directions. I think that both of us are angry anyways. Yes. And 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 the idea of you know having politics to to sort of run it through is nice. But I, I think <laughs> yeah, that that's like throwing gas on it. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. I just think that we're uh, you know we've got that attitude. You know, and yeah, and, and we can't hide it. Certainly, yeah, there was. Well, that's a- what I like. And you and I, even though you know, probably opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. politically, but we never really had a beef. Never. We, it's you know terrifying I mean? the idea of really having your anger pointed at me. <laughs> I was, I was going to. I was like, you know, it's great. He can point it wherever he wants, <laughs> just not at me. I'm not going to do it. I don't know. I'm mellowing out. You know, you, age you, gets you, man. Age gets you. Ugh, you can't. It's you know, I mean, horrendous. even now, coming down to the FDR, I was like bumper to bumper. I just fucking. I actually have a John Denver fucking best of John Denver. I put on now in my really? car. I swear to God, I downloaded it on my phone. So just when to, I get in traffic, calm you. I swear to God, I, I I put on like you know Colorado Rocky Mountain High and sunshine uh, on my shoulder. Sunshine on my shoulder. I swear to so, God, it's on. the funniest fucking thing. And you really- it is. Well, yeah, you'll I'll be singing along with it on the Colorado Rocky Mountain High. Then I'm like, get the fuck over. You're in the left lane. Get over. <laughs> as well yeah. as it helps. But so okay, so let's let's go back because like I remember when I came back from boss from L.A. Yeah, I was a little fucked up. I was trying to stay sober, and then I, I go there because I remember you were sort of like, "Hey, you did a pretty good job. You did. You were you were supportive. You were nice. Yeah. I think you had a, a chick with you. I don't remember who the hell that was, but uh, but you know you were you, you know you were doing your thing. But it was all about you know tuna sandwich, you know, and uh, <laughs> holy shit, you're right. Why don't you, why don't you put some more why you put, mayonnaise you put on sawdust, it? Sawdust in it or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, broken glass broken and dust. Broken glass and dust. <laughs> How the fuck did you remember that? Through that? I remember jokes, dude. But, like, there was a story about you that, like, you, you know, I always, like, it's an inspiration to me. Because I don't know if it really happened. It was one of those, it's one of these road myths that, that you made a, a bridal party cry. Oh, I've a made bachelor- a couple bridal cry. <laughs> bachelor oh, yeah. parties cry. Yeah. I I got banned from the, from the comedy works in Denver. Right. That's where it, that's where it happened to me. Yeah, don't sit the bachelorette party up front. I get banned from there because the I guess a woman runs it. Wendy, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I called the table a bunch. I gave him a chance. I always give the bachelor. You know, you got to give him a little rope. Yeah, right. Get drunk and right, and then they just kept yelling shit out, and so I snapped on him. Bad. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, call him a bunch of drunken cunts. <laughs> yeah, you know? okay. And 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 next thing you know, you they're know, crying. I, yeah, some chick gets upset and she's bawling. And she's she's bawling with a fake tiara on her head. Get out of here. And then, and even worse, Mark, yeah. uh, at the uh, the punchline Sacramento. That's the one I heard. That's the one. What happened? That, that one got Walk really me a, through it. Well, I was in no mood, even for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I shouldn't be out tonight. I, I don't know why. I was like, just totally not in a good mood. And you had to work. I was there full house. Like, because that's a pretty full house. Yeah, well, yeah. For two shows Friday night. Big room. Big room. Yeah. And there's a bachelorette party once again up front. But you know what? Like, you're sitting off stage and you see them and you see the middle and you see the bachelorette party. You know before you even go on, like, oh, fuck. They were ruining the middles act. Right. I was getting so pissed there. Nobody was doing anything about it. And they they were ruining his act. Yeah. So on my way up, on my way up to the stage, some chick's like, take off your shirt. Yeah, and they, I'm not even to the microphone yet, and they're yelling shit at me. Yeah, and there's no doorman doing anything. <laughs> I get up there, I go, look, shut your mouths, you ruined the last guy, and you're not gonna fucking ruin my act. Ba ba ba, back and forth, back and forth. I haven't even told the joke yet. Yeah, and 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 uh, 
some girl goes, you're a fucking dick. This is before I haven't even, I haven't even get to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so then I snap on her and yeah. another girl throws a bear at me. Yeah. Like a half a cup of beer. Yeah. Like right on my shirt. Oh my God. So I would go nuts. Yeah. Even for me, I go crazy. Like you're frothing, you're bent over. Bent over screaming. right over my face is an inch from the table. Yeah. Just calling the filthiest yeah. things, wishing cancer on them. Yeah, yeah. Anything I could think of. And and all of a sudden, other table, some guy stand, they get, a table of guys gets mad at me. Right. Like, you you go, can't you call girls that. I go, you defending these fucking whores? Yeah. And they start screaming at me. Now half the room. This is how it's bad chaos. I was. It's chaos. And I'm taking blame for this. Yeah. Even though they, they should have been thrown out before I got on stage. Yeah. Now it's chaos. Yeah. I have tables yelling at me. Right. Because you didn't you didn't get them on your side at all. Not right? at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Which I've learned since. Yeah. So lit, literally, they're screaming at me. I'm screaming at them. Other people screaming at me. Right in the middle of it, here's, here's the manager's uh, idea for resolution. He runs up and hands me a shot. To calm me down, like a rumplement, <laughs> and I do it, and it gets even worse. Now people are leaving. Now people are trying to leave the club. Uh, when they there was two hundred and twenty people, I think. Yeah, it was a packed house. It was yeah. comedy was booming, like yeah. you said. And and uh, when all the mayhem died down, uh, there was forty five people left. Oh my God! Mass exodus. For, mass you exodus. S- you stayed in the saddle. You stayed I stayed up there. in the saddle. Did my set. They were loving it. Here's the funny part. So the second show between, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in the back of the room and the people are being seated for the second yeah. show. And I hear people, I hear people, the waiter would come over, you know, show hasn't started yet. I'm standing in the back and then yeah. I'm hiding behind the corner and I hear people going to the waiter. Hey, uh, we heard the headline. It went nuts on the last show. He's a, is he like a real fucking crazy guy? Because <laughs> all the people piling out, see him waiting online in the hallway. And yes, it, there right. was a line to try to get their money back. They saw people coming out of there screaming. And, and, and what was scary was, even after the second show was over, the yeah. guy comes out to me and goes, we have to have security walk you back to your hotel. Because a, those, those guys, that first table of guys that was yelling, they were in a pickup truck. This is a couple hours later, you know, waiting for me to come out of then the Then that club. place is in a mall. It's upstairs across from a fucking mattress store. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you got to walk downstairs to the parking lot. I had to go to the mattresses. The strip literally. mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're exactly. It, it was. They had the, the security guy to bring me back to the hotel. We yeah, had to walk, walk across back. the street. Like you said, I you mellow out with age. And, and, and I've had them. I've had twenty bachelorette parties since Bobby. And I and I say to them, even and, and they've been pretty good. Yeah. I think even clubs are evolving in that way. Right. But, but again, they still sit them up front. But I say to the girls now, I go, you know, I'm flattered you came right. to see me. Right. Even though you probably didn't know who the head. Line away. Right. But, you know, but I always say, why aren't you at uh, you know uh, Chippendales yeah. right. eating whipped cream out of a guy's yeah, sure. ass? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Thunder yeah. Down Under, yeah. whoever the latest right. gay guys are yeah. dancing at. Yeah. Uh, so I go, I, but I'm flattered you came to see me. I, I don't know why. Why would you come? You, you, your best friend's getting married, which means you're right. not going to see much of her for the right. next fifty years. Yeah. So this might be the last night you're out with her, and you're going to come to a place where you can't talk. I really, yeah, I, I don't really know where the doing? where the tradition was established. I don't know why they keep doing it. I think it was Barry Katz management that established. <laughs> that's how he gets that's the beginning of your career. Yes. No, but I, 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 I get that. I think what they're really looking for is like, yeah, they'll make fun of her. So they, they expect us to do what we're going to do, but they don't realize that we, <laughs> we fucking hate them. Right. And it's, it's not going to be that fun for I mean, some guys may handle it better, but I'm like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. The thing I, and is, I am flattered they came out. Right. But I think right. that you and I, what you realize as you get older is it, it gets sort of exhausting. Yep. Exactly. To fucking you know, to do this defensive fucking you know like yes. and it's it actually feels better just to do a nice show 
for people that want to laugh. Yes. But like, I think you and I, I, but I didn't feel this about you when you first started. I went into it defensively. You know, like when I, my, when I started doing well, comedy. Well, insecurity. Of course. Yeah. But I was sort of like, it was always a fight to me before the, before it even started. Before I even got up there, I'm like, oh, they're not, I'm done. Like for no reason, you know. So it was always a fun. Yeah, you can talk yourself out of a good show. Yeah, and uh, but I don't think I knew how to have a good show. The fact that I was doing regional gigs in the Boston area was crazy. Me, like you know, I watched you. Like you, you're speaking their language. Yeah. You have the right accent, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> Revere Beach, Johnson. Yeah, but what uh, when you started though? Like I don't remember you from Sam's. Like played against Sam's and shit. Uh, I I I hung out there. Yeah. Well, Nick's was my home club. Right. right. So, But when did you start, though? Like, 87? Yeah, 87. Like, the spring of 87. Was right. Like my so we club. were working year in. That's the weirdest thing about those that's gigs. How much, well, that's how much stage time there was. Yeah, because they had all those gigs everywhere. Every restaurant and pub. I'll show you my book from my first year, over 300 nights. Like B.B. King, for Christ's sake. Right. Every restaurant and pub. On a Monday night, I'd be at a Mexican restaurant in Franklin, Mass. Franklin. Franks and Franklin. Franks and Franklin. With drunk Frank. Thank you. <laughs> Next night, I'll be the holiday in Nashua, New Hampshire. I remember on that Tuesday. one. Yeah. Wednesday, I might be back at Stitches. Thursday, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Friday, I might be back at Nick's. Saturday, University of Massachusetts. It was at every pub and restaurant in New England, Ski Lodge in Vermont. Three remember of all these gigs? Three of them. Mother Shapiro's. Mother Shapiro's. BK Denny's. B- BK? How do you remember? I don't You're like know. Louie. You're like know. Louie. I we remember certain things. You, somehow you convince yourself it'll be nice. It'd be nice up there in the winter. We'll go up. We'll hang out at the nice house. It's a nightmare. Mother Shapiro is a fucking nightmare. Mother Shapiro. With that weird Jewish dude that ran the place. And, the, and there was that weird mixture of, of skiers and fucked up locals. Yeah. yeah well, I was there once and some guy like basically there was a group of fucking creepy ass dudes hitting on my fucking, you know, <laughs> what became my wife, Kim. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, I'm no fucking fighter. I'm sort of like, let's just go. You know, get out of here. <laughs> we were mo- mostly working for Barry Katz's Boston Comedy Company. That's right. I didn't work for I didn't work for the connection much. I worked for Mike Clark. I worked for Barry. Me, you, you and me both. I didn't work for the connection either. Hardly. I still I, I still remember Mike Clark's phone number. It's so fucked up. Like, oh my god! I, can, I still remember his. Phone. <laughs> it was you remember it was he had yeah. the answering machine. Yeah. But so we'd go and you never knew what you were driving into. Remember uh, Lemonster? What was that? Poncho Villas and Lemonster? Poncho Villas. I, right? I did it two nights in a row for some reason. A guy was yelling. Second night, he was yelling my punchlines. A guy came back to see me. He's yelling my punchlines out from the balcony. I went up in a balcony with a microphone. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Went up in the balcony. It was one of the first places that they had no uh, wire on the thing. And went up there. And I'm like, who's yelling my shit out? <laughs> and the guy raises his hand. <laughs> so I'm interviewing him in the balcony. Oh, my God. Imagine yelling my punchlines. And I'm upset at a club like that. Remember Banditos? There was Banditos yes. and Fall River. But but like it, Your but, memory is killing me, dude. I thought you smoked a lot of weed. No, I haven't done anything in a long time. I have selective memory. I can't remember some people's names that I've known for 20 years. Yeah, you can remember Banditos. Yeah, yeah, but you know why? And I realized this later because I had it with the comedy store. It's like it's like where we were abused. It's like traumatic experience. That's what I was going to say earlier. Say, I know. You guys, it's, like, it's like, like a memory. childhood rape. You're right, not going to forget that face. Kind of, right? <laughs> Mike Mike Clark's phone number is, is <laughs> That's tragic to you. It, 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 well, it was like I didn't know. I knew that I had to do the job, but like it's sort of fascinating to me, given my my temperament and my mind, that that's where I learned how to do comedy was going into regional New England and doing. It. And those not easy audiences. And no, I was a, they were. I was a freak. We, now, did, we yeah. didn't know how good it was for us. 
You know what I mean? To work that much that early in your career? Well, that's how we learned. We we, we were, didn't know though. We that, were, but we were able to skip over the fucking host spot. It was a gift. That's right. That's to, you know, you're going to be going to be a local opener that can't get that can't get bumped up to middle and then never get worked as a headliner. Right. I mean, that's what happens to those guys. Right. They and a lot of them make do fine, but we literally had to do the job. Yep. You got these guys coming in from out of town or the colleges. The weird thing about the fucking colleges is that when we were doing colleges for Barry. He was, you know, giving Anthony Clark and and uh, you know Eddie Regine the big money yep. on the ticket, and we didn't know better. That's so they, exactly right. They, it's like you go out and do the twenty for this in a fucking you know lunchroom, you know, for a hundred dollars, and fucking Anthony's walking with five grand. Yes, we didn't fucking know. No, we didn't. We're just like, just let's have the gig. That's Barry, man. <laughs> right. Always with the. I, he had me on his podcast, and I he literally let me shit on him for an hour and a half. He loved it. That's the weird thing about literally? Barry. Well, no, no, no. But a, I guess that's true. We have it on film? Yeah, yeah. No, but he likes you when you bust his balls because he knows he deserves it in his heart. So he gets a bigger kick out of being you know busted on than anybody I've ever met in my He's life. always loved me, right, because right. he was my first manager. That, I remember the time that happened. It was like a mafia thing. Like one day you get this call and everyone's brought into the basement and he slides the papers in oh, front of Oh, this is how it went down with me. Yeah. This is my favorite Barry Katz story because yeah. it sums up his management style right. and how he... I was at Nick's. I went on in front of Dana Gould. Again, I'm only doing it a year. And Dana Gould's like 17 yeah. at that time. And, and brilliant. And, and Amazing. And I'm up there doing raw stuff because I'm new. I'm yeah. probably being dirtier than I should be or whatever yeah. and destroying yeah. probably for all the wrong reasons, right? Right. I come off, Dana Gould goes on and starts bad-mouthing me uh, on stage. Uh-huh. Now, I've only been in the business about a year and a half. I don't right. know. I'm in a suit jacket, right? I still have my college football muscles. Yeah. People hate me just for that because yeah. this is a nerd business. Right. Not, wearing, at, not I, then I, it wasn't. I, not at Nick's. Not at Nick's. Yeah. But I'm wearing a suit jacket. It fits me like a T-shirt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And I'm waiting for Dana Gould because yeah. he's bad-mouthed. Yeah, yeah. As, as new as I was, I knew you, that's one thing you don't do. Right. You don't bad-mouth uh, the, 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 the act before you. So he comes off, and he's coming down the stairs, and I'm waiting for him. I, and I literally- oh, so put, he's walking out of the building. Yeah, I, I yeah. grab him, push him yeah. against the wall, in the, in the hallway, yeah. Nick's. And I go, what are you doing? He's like, what, what are you talking about? I go, you fucking, you, you, you know, saying I was hacking and, and just shitting all over me. Yeah. I go, no, I, I, don't start fucking trying to blow. I, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Right? So then, then you know, I, I, I scared the fucking daylight up. <laughs> I go over to play it against Sam's later that night. Yeah. I'm sitting there with Kevin <laughs> Flynn. Barry Katz comes up. Now, Barry has signed Kevin Flynn already, Jackie, everybody but me. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He had already signed a few of my friends. Right. He comes up to me. He goes, hey, uh, DePaulo. And I hadn't even met Barry yet. I heard what you pulled. I heard the shit you pulled, like with my uh, client Dana Gold. Dana was with him. Yeah, at that point. So, so I go, I go, Barry. Do you want to hear my side of the story? He goes, Sure, I do. Call me on Monday. And hands me his business card. <laughs> <laughs> so I call him on Monday. He ends up signing me. <laughs> Is that not? It's crazy. Is that not? That's like something you'd see in a movie, right? Like a, a sleazy agent. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't sign with him. Like I was, it, it was all he did it all at the same time. He made this weird jump. Yeah. And he brought me into the, one of the rooms in the basement there where he was running in his apartment, <laughs> right, in Alston. And he's Alston, like, you know, yes. he gave me the pitch. He had the paper right there. And I said, look, I don't know what it means or what you would do for me, but I can't, I can't do it. I, can't, I, don't, you know, I don't know what it means. What do you want me to sign? And, and, and I think in that run, he signed, like, Al Ducharme, Marcy Rose, Ed Regine, Louis C.K. Yeah. Like, he signed that whole first crew. Yep. Anthony Clark, because that was his big, I think Chip was like, I, Anthony's my guy, you yeah. know, like, and uh, he had everybody, and and it, and it took it took all of you a little while to get rid of him. Who did it ever? 
Did it ever? We we moved. I moved down to how oh, things. This what I moved down to New York with Louis C.K. was my roommate. Barry got, got us an apartment on right, the Upper that, West Side because yeah, Barry opened the club here, the Boston Comedy Club, and yeah. the idea was he's going to run you guys, his guys through there, and and then he had that like that 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 magical apartment. That's right. So bunk was, beds, yeah, bunk beds. You and Louis, but it, everyone came in, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely some stories. In yeah, that apartment. and then me and Louis had it after people stopped coming. It, it was me and. Louis. Oh, was that fun? Looking was back on it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those are a good times. We wandered around New York City, me and Louis. Louis yeah. had no concept how to how to use money. And <laughs> we went out, we, we did the punchline yeah. in San Francisco, me and Louis, for a week. Yeah. I, I've told the story on many. Uh, he goes, I'm going out. And we, we had a net worth of probably $1,200 between us at that point, right? Yeah. He goes, I'm going out to get a VCR. This is how long ago. I'm going to get a VCR so we can watch movies all week at the hotel. He's gone for like four hours, comes back with an $800 trumpet. <laughs> A trumpet that's the trumpet yeah yes because i remember him buying a trumpet yes. right yeah yeah yes. there's a couple trumpets stores. we didn't have a we weren't even making a hundred dollars that week between us i don't think <laughs> he bought a car out there too to drive like he would buy cars that's right. places and then and leave them on the side of the road right that's why i love him he's the real deal he was <laughs> screwy louie man yeah <laughs> and, we, and we laid in bed and we used to play this game i took a i took a, sh- a shit so big and then you do an analogy uh-huh you know? right right i took a shit so big uh, it was worth 20 electoral votes uh, i took a shit so big it sprang i sprained an ankle and we we would lay there till five in the morning laughing just be- belly laugh. it was like a good comedy exercise sure. you know what i mean that's a funny bit it's a funny because sk- that doesn't exist anymore bunk you two in bunk beds like kids yes doing jokes yes that's hilarious no we we i and he had Those are my fond memories. And he had a motorcycle that he almost got killed on. And then he had cars here that he would wreck and park. And, th- and then eventually they'd just be taken away. Somebody stole his Honda. That, remember he had a Honda Prelude when, when we first started. Uh-huh. And uh, somebody stole it and like <laughs> left it like two blocks from where he was living in New York. Oh, and, and uh, he does a joke about somebody stole his... Oh, somebody stole his watch out of the car. Yeah. And he saw the guy wearing his watch in the right. neighborhood. Yeah. And he goes up the guy. He goes up the guy. And he goes, "Can you tell me what time it is?" And the guy looks at him. And Louis goes, "You got to push the button." On the- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's one of his early bits. So we all did the like we like at that time because Barry was sort of like he Barry always helped me. But like that was when you guys were in New York and they they were shooting Caroline's Comedy Hour here. Yes. So we got to do that. We got to do the MTV weird 10-minute things. Like yep. There was a lot of basic cable shit we all did. Yeah. What, when, and why did you decide to go to L.A.? What, how old were you then? Because I remember there's this weird memory I have. I was visiting in L.A. because I didn't really move there until th- 2002. So I don't remember when you were there. But I was driving somewhere, and I saw you walking across the street from a coffee shop or you know, something in a mall somewhere. And I said, hey, how's it going? And you were just sort of like, without even provocation, you're like, I got fucked. I did it. <laughs> I know that Tony Danza was involved. I don't remember what. Oh, yeah. I had a deal with Tom, but I didn't get fucked there. I actually got made some money. Uh, it must have been before. Like, you were just sort of like, just like alone, walking. That is perfect. And you were like, just, you know, just like, without even, like, how you doing? It? Ah, fuck this play. You know, like, right out of the gate. I was like, holy I, shit. I get really bad memory. I went out there twice. I went out on my own. Like a '93 for for like a year. So the first wave. So you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And you leave New York. Yeah, '93 and '94, and I got a with no deal, just to go. No deal, but Rich Super would just sign me with Irving Arthur, right? Which is a good agency, and he he was my agent. Yeah. So yeah, I I went out there and like an idiot, I I find the place on Venice Beach, a basement apartment. I leave my girl from behind, Nancy from National Hampshire, who I. Arsenio Hall had me on a show like three times in, in six months. 
uh, had I moved at that point? I'm so bad with dates. The first the, he had booked me, I knew I was going to be on a show. Right. And my managers said, "Yeah, you got to you got to move up." Not there. Barry though. It wasn't Barry. I forget who talked me into it, but I left my girl from behind. I was yeah. going to be a star. Yeah, like an yeah. idiot. Right. I get out there. I don't yeah. know anybody. Yeah. Rich Soup is not around. And you moved to Venice? Venice. So cuz Rich was out there the, the whole, in Santa Monica. So that for Nick DiPaolo from where are you from? Brockton? <laughs> Where's <is laughs> No, Danvers. Danvers. Yeah. North Shore. North Shore. There you are the entire <laughs> world of of minorities and freaks. Is at your doorstep. That never bothered me. And it doesn't. I don't think it does really no. bother you. I, 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 you know, people, I got the, again, from Tough Crowd. I said yeah. a lot of shit to Patrice, who was my friend. Yeah. I got pigeonholed. They're quick in this business, if you say. They're quick in this culture. To, to let's yeah. throw yeah. that on you. Yeah. But uh, you're right. I get out there. It was a culture shock. Yeah. But I'm living in a basement apartment. I want my girlfriend back. Nancy. Yeah. I miss her. Yeah. I literally call home. I kept calling the house. The father's answering at like three in the morning. I'm like, where's Nancy? She's done with you. I, I cheated on her before uh-huh. we left. Oh, New you did. York. Right. Yeah. So he, she's like, no. You're she, calling she, jealous or, or sad? Both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, he, worst, he goes, yeah. no, she's, uh, she's out with a guy, Brian, down the Cape. <laughs> and he goes, Nick, you're not a bad guy? Because he was, he apparently, he was a, you know. A wild man when he was younger. Yeah, doesn't make you a bad guy, but 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 you know. But yeah. I'm I'm crushed. Yeah. I'm sitting in Venice Beach. Yeah, Mark, alone. Mark, in I basement. went for, I went 14 days without taking a shower. Fucking sitting against the wall. I got my wife beater on. I'm yeah. eating pizza by myself. Evan Grant, do you remember Evan Grant? He worked in like uh, Brian Steinberg's office. Kind of a good looking kid. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I do Luckily him. he was out there. Yeah, and a real player with the chicks. Right. He always. Yeah. He saved my life. It was like that movie uh, with Vince Vaughn. What is it? Something Swingers. Yeah, no. Swingers. Oh, it was just like, like that. Remember they kept dragging Favreau character. Yeah. Yeah. I was that guy. Oh I, really? I lost like twenty. I was running every morning on that. Uh, on the boardwalk. That boardwalk out yeah. Venice Beach, like six miles. Mm-hmm. I fucking was ripped. But I wasn't eating. I was depressed. <laughs> you look good, though. I look like John McCain when they pulled him out of the Vietnamese prison. <laughs> Head and shaven. I weighed like 11 pounds. Yeah. I, she, I would just totally fuck my... I'd go home. I'd fly home and try to get her back. I'd drive up to her house. Oh, uh, that guy. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, With was, flowers or something? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember even my mother going... <laughs> they picked me up at the airport, my parents. My mother goes, I wish you'd act like a man. I act like a fucking man. I go, that's how I get into this problem in the first place. <laughs> my, my father's laughing. My mother's almost crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I had a horrible... And then I then I moved back to New York. And then went out there, went out to... But so that was it. So when you were out there in year. Venice, it just didn't... Nothing happened. You did Arsenio a couple times. I did times Arsenio a few got times. Got depressed. And uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Evan Grant, thank God, he was in my complex. And he used to fucking save my life. And one Sunday, I'm walking... Just what you just said. I'm walking down the sidewalk with a miserable look on my face. Evan Grant's coming the other way. I step in dog shit. It's like 108 <laughs> degrees. The beach is closed because of gang activity. Yeah. And I go, I'm out of here by Wednesday. Fucking watch me. He yeah. starts laughing. Sure enough, I packed all my shit. That was it. Dog yeah. shit and gang activity. Fucking, that was it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just nothing was happening. So you flew back to try to, and you tried to get the girl back. You didn't get her back. Couldn't get her back, and 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 uh, yeah. So I came back to New York, and um, what the hell? Did, what were your parents thinking? Like, how how many brothers and sisters you got? I got uh, three sisters and a brother. So I'm, big I'm in the middle. All yeah. Italian, all the way through. No, no, no. I'm half Italian. That's yeah. the other thing. And 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 French, Canadian, and English on my mother's. Oh, side. your dad's Italian. Yeah. And what? So you guys, what? You were a football player. Yeah, I played. Uh, you know, I played. I was a captain at high school. Me yeah. and my two buddies were tri captains. Yeah. And I went up to Maine, and I I, I tore up my shoulders in high school. Yeah. I uh, busted up my shoulders. I had surgery after. Walked on at Maine. I was supposed to get a scholarship. That's right. another heartbreaking story. 
uh, to New University of New Hampshire. That didn't turn out. So I walked on at the University of Maine and earned a you know partial scholarship. Yeah, and played up there for a couple of years. But Did you, uh, get, you finished college up there? Oh yeah, yeah. But best time of my life was it? It was there or BU? I couldn't decide where to go. I was at BU. <clears throat> oh, you did go yeah. to BU. I went to BU. Yeah, I didn't go because I I want to get out of town. Yes, the distract. I go and good. It was a good move because up at Maine, I, I been up there. Where I could, what part? Of I couldn't Maine even now? focus up there on on books though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine if I went to BU. No way. What the hell? Where, what part of Maine? That's up by. It's called Orono, but it's right. Now, you know, it's a little north of Bangor. Yeah, far. Two hundred and forty miles from where I grew up. Yeah fucking best time of my life it blew high school away i would do it again in a second fondest memories of my life university of Maine. sure we get you got all the freedom in the world to do whatever the fuck you want and and the, i guess were you on you were playing on the team i not till my uh i went out this spring of my sophomore year for spring football and like i said i walked on they didn't know who i was and i sort of opened some eyes you yeah. know uh, jack bicknell recruited me a guy that coached doug flutie at bc yeah he was up there. I walk in there after having shoulder surgery, yeah, right? Yeah. I had atrophied to about 170 pounds. Yeah. I get the balls finally to walk into his office and go, you recruited me. You know, I, I, you know, and I, I said, I want to be part of the program. He literally goes, well, you, you, you can carry water and shit. <laughs> he knew that would blow me out of the arm. I fucking, what an asshole. <laughs> literally, he goes, you could carry water buckets. I'm like, this mother, I go, I fucking excused myself politely and walked out of there. <laughs> yeah. But he was right. I had a sweatsuit on. I weighed about 11 pounds. And, you know, it's still main football, but the guys are fucking big. Yeah. And doing steroids and shit. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I, I, I was in no shape to play football. Took a couple of years. I went home, got strong over the summer. And then a new coach came in and I walked on. And, and uh, you know. It was fun. It's weird when you think back of the fun times. But then it's not like you had a good time doing living with Louie and shit. Oh, my God. But Com- when did you decide to do comedy? Why? Uh, the same reason I think a lot of us. Well, I, I was always attracted to it. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard other famous people tell the same story, but it was true. My parents would go, you got to go to bed downstairs, yeah. watching TV downstairs. I'd go up and leave the door open a crack to watch Johnny Carson's monologue. Yeah, yeah. I was I was attracted to it. Yeah, yeah. And my buddies were funny as hell. Yeah. You know Boston kids. They're yeah, yeah. Fucking, my buddy Bob Murphy was David Letterman before Letterman was Letterman. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. Went to work at a think tank, this kid. Graduated first in our class. Yeah. Funniest motherfucker I ever met in my life. Yeah. And another guy, Greg. You still Zuck. talk to him? Oh, on occasion. Yeah. On occasion. That's the other sad thing. We go our separate ways. It is kind really of, weird. It, it bums me out. But that that's what, you know. So uh, I was always attracted to the stand-up uh to the to the stand up thing and and uh, I'd see Jay Leno on the Merv Griffin show and go that guy sounds like me yeah and then it turns out he's from Andover which is you know ten minutes from where I grew up right yeah I go wait a minute I think I could <laughs> do this <laughs> and then Bob Murphy my very funny buddy yeah. dragged me into Stitches one night like oh, yeah. in the in the mid eighties to at watch that, Sweeney, Paradise to yeah. watch Steve Sweeney at Stitches, at Stitches interesting yeah. wasn't really his club but yeah yeah Sweeney Meanie yeah. And, and, oh right was, the Sweeney Meanie show night. that's right and it, it mean, like we, Wednesdays or something we were blown away Sweeney actually like picked on me oh, look at this good looking yeah, giddy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tore me into asshole and I was fascinated yeah by, yeah you know and and uh this is why I think it was, I believe in God sometimes. Yeah. I, I was a bar back at Stitches before I was a comedian for like six months. Mm-hmm. I was in awe of Steve Sweeney. Yeah. I was like, it was like, I was afraid of him. I was mm. so in awe. It was like Ted Williams to me, yeah, right? Yeah, right. I just moved to an apartment in Boston with my other buddy, Tony. I get drunk on St. Patrick's Day by myself. My buddy was working at Faneuil Hall. I, <laughs> yeah. He gives me like 11 beers. I wander out of it. It's not even one in the afternoon. Yeah. I get on the fucking tee and I get lost. Yeah. I'm over by Huntington, by Northeastern. Yeah. I'm wandering. I'm literally staggering down the sidewalk, and I'm thinking about comedy 
and and Steve Sweeney yeah. and Lenny Clark. Yeah. As I'm thinking that, who comes stumbling out of a bar? Steve. Steve Sweeney. <laughs> so because he was drinking at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, "Yeah, the fucking Guinea bar bag." He goes, yeah. "Come on, let's go for a drink." Yeah. Dude, it was like Elvis. It would like you. It would be you being a kid in love with Elvis, and Elvis comes out of a bar. <laughs> right. I still tell. I told my parents. I go. I never really. I don't know about God if yeah, he yeah. exists or not. Right. That day. That day. Yeah. We go and he get you know drink two Guinness and whatever the fuck. I drank with him all afternoon. Now he goes. I gotta go to. I want to go to Avenue B. It's getting dark. He go. He drags. We get in a cab. We go to. Uh, South Boston. Yeah. South. He wants to score some coke. Yeah, right. I'm in the back of the cab with Steve Sweeney, my idol. Yeah. Dude, I fucking, I, I was hard as a rock. I couldn't yeah. believe what was going on. Yeah. We're in the cab. He goes, we pull into some neighborhood. It's getting dark. Yeah. This is on St. Patrick's Day night. They beat up Irish people on Saturday, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day night. Never mind. I didn't tell you. Yeah. I wouldn't get out of the cab. Steve goes, here, hold my watch. I go, why do I got to hold his watch? I was so naive. I right. go, why am I holding his watch? Turns yeah. out it was like one of the... He gets out of the cab. He's not out of the cab 10 seconds. Three kids come around the corner, three guys with leather jackets. They, you couldn't have made a more stereotypical... One, two of them had red hair. Yeah. And they start chasing Sweeney up the street. They want to beat the fuck up. <laughs> I go to the cab. Cab driver takes off. I go, what are you doing? You can't fucking leave. He said, fuck that. I'm not going to get killed in this. Yeah. And then Sweeney... Oh, I didn't hear from him the rest of the night or day. I call stitches. They didn't know where the fuck he comes out. I come in on Monday night. I'm working. He comes out. He punches me in the chest. Yeah. Like physically punches me in the chest. He, he thought I told the cab driver to take off. Oh, my God. That's I was almost going to well. get a fight with my idol. I was right. ready to fucking well, I'm glad he lived. You know, like, like what the hell happened? He, the last I saw him, uh, I looked out the window of the cab. Honestly, yeah. he's sprinting. And, yeah. he, and he had shoes on, not sneakers. <laughs> he's got shoes on and three guys are chasing him. They, it must have been an old deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was some history there. Yeah, right. There was right. some history. Like, There's there. that motherfucker. Right away, they yeah. came after him, and he's the he's the Godfather of South Boston for Christ's sake. Yeah. How's that for a story, though? It's great. He, he he comes out of a bar. I'm I'm lost in Boston. I'm over by Northeastern. What the fuck's he doing? And did over that there? did that make you decide to do comedy? It sure in hell didn't hurt. Yeah, you know. And I used to try to be funny around him. You know. So all right. So then you you start out and you start doing the, what the open mics there. Yeah, like stitches and shit. Yeah, yeah. George, yeah, George McDonald. George McDonald. Comedy hell. Comedy hell. Yeah. I pulled up. I was drunk at my parents' house. My name was in the hat. I think, and they told me I was on. Yeah. I almost got in a fight with this kid. My my roommate. I was living with in Alston, Anthony Seymour. Uh, he's an eye doctor now. Yeah. I met him up at University of Maine. He's from Augusta. Now he has a practice like in my hometown. Oh, really? In a house in Topsfield. What's the name of the town again? Uh, Danvers. Yeah, Danvers. Yeah. yeah. And so so uh, yeah. So he. He confronted me one day. He thought I was the funniest guy alive. He yeah. goes, and, and all these open mics, comedy was booming. He goes, you're a pussy. You, we almost got into blows about it. He was questioning my manhood. Right. He goes, you could be making a living. Fucking, you know, we, yeah. we, literally got fucking almost got physical. So sure enough, I put my name in the hat at Stitches. And yeah. they're like, yeah, you're on Sunday night. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that feeling is the worst. We got three days or whatever. Exactly. And you're like, oh, God. It was horrible. And when, when you did Sam's and stuff, you'd get, you'd get booked like six weeks out. You're, doing, you're right. doing five minutes in six weeks, and then like <laughs> for six weeks, you're like, oh, God. It was yeah, fucking insane. I, I went on at Stitches. My first line ever was an ad lib. Yeah? Off the cuff. That's when George goes, that's when I knew you were going to be funny. Yeah. I uh, I went. I was in a sweatshirt and jeans, Yeah. and uh, I go up, and I followed a guy in a tuxedo. Yeah. Who was that? I don't know. So I went on after him, and I go, you know, I was trying to figure, I didn't know what to wear yeah. all afternoon. I was like, what do I wear in my first con? I go, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to follow Mr. fucking Saunders. That yeah. was a tuxedo local. And it got yeah. like a nice laugh. Yeah, yeah. And you're and, like, I'm in. I'm in. Then my next bit was about shaving my sister's back or something. That <laughs> went in the toilet. And then I did Archie Bunker being blown by a great white shark. Yo, what? 
<laughs> well, that's pretty creative. How horrible. That was the seed, the seed of the Nick disposition. <laughs> but George said that. George goes, when you did that ad lib and it got a laugh, it was the first thing out of your mouth. He goes, I, you know, I saw some. And then George would be on the back mic. Remember oh, just making fun right. of other open micers? That's right. How about Bob Nickman? Nickman I still see. With the hat, funny. He was so funny. He he wrote did a lot of TV work, and I do. A, he's a sober guy, and he runs the Yuckaholics every year. Him and Scheidner created this show that every year happens, huge show to 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 benefit uh, you know halfway house and stuff. My, my favorite Bob Nickman joke, and he's the first guy I saw call a table of women cunts mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. But my favorite. This is a big moment for Nick. Oh, I'll never forget I, that day. I was like, if that's okay, I'm in. I'm in. How do I how do I get good at this? <laughs> How do I get good at this? He, he, but one of my favorite jokes, he goes, I, 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 he goes, uh, I'd suck a dick. Not if it was like attached to a guy, but if it was like hanging off a wall. <laughs> and he, remember he used to take the hat off at the end yeah. and he'd have pigtails? He was a ball guy right. with pigtails. Right, right, right. Big clothes. Yeah, that was the big physical clothes. But he was clothes. brilliantly funny. They would kick me out of the green room at Nick's because I was the only one not doing blow. Gavin Lenny would show up, Kenny, yeah. and they go, "Hey, for rookie, get the fuck out of there!" Yeah, because yeah. I was. We don't yeah. want you to see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Well, I, I used to do it. Yeah, but uh, remember, like there was the green room, but then they'd close the place down, and then you'd sit there in the main room at a table in with the everybody. Main room. Yeah, yeah. It's all dark. John Panette. I did coke once before I went on stage. John Panette, the late great John Panette, gave me a line of coke. Yeah, and that was the only time you did it. Before I went on right, stage, right. oh, I'd, I'd do it when I, mean, you know, I was at the Palace nightclub trying to pick up whores from Rivera. <laughs> you had oh, to do it only in that situation. Trying to pick yeah. up hairdresser from Somerville, you had, you had to fucking give her a couple bumps. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, God, I got chlamydia nineteen times out of the Palace. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, no, I only did it once before I went on stage. Uh, Panette gave it to me. This is a true story. I'm up on stage. I'm not even up there five minutes. Yeah, my left keep my upper lip keeps getting stuck to my teeth, and I'm oh. fucking. Stu- I'm, I'm I'm tripping on my punchlines. Yeah, and 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 I had my hand in my right pocket, and all yeah. of a sudden, some guy goes, some guy like in the third row goes, "Hey, relax up there." I looked down. <laughs> I was jing- I was jiggling my car keys in my pocket like hundred miles an hour. Hey, relax up there. That's the best heckle I've ever heard in my hey, life. Relax up there. He's just like, dude, really slow down. We we want to see the show. <laughs> I, I hadn't done much coke at that point in my life. Uh, to do it to go on there. stage, oh, no, and I'm new as a comic, yeah, it, it threw off my timing. Bad, and, it's a bad drug yeah. for that, unless, you, unless you're one of those guys, unless it works like Ritalin. You know, like, I was also like that. <laughs> like, if I did coke, my eyes would bug out, and I'd talk too fast. <laughs> and I'm like, I'd see footage of me, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you're thinking, like, I'm, I'm nailing this. You know, it's like a fucking disaster. Now I take Advil PM. There you go. Slow me down. Yeah, but like that's so funny. Hey, relax up there. Guy yells, "Hey, relax up he's, there." He's being supportive. It wasn't mean. Yeah, it was, yeah. and I looked down and hear, I hear my right hand doing oh, this. I think that's the best crowd heckle I've ever heard in my life. Nick's was a rough room at times. Oh my god, dude! I the one time I get, I don't know how the hell I managed to get in with them, but I did. They worked me, and I because you know, you're I, a good comic. Yeah, but like the one time, the first time I went up there for the guest spot. I, you know, I, I, it was a really big lesson for me. Like I was, I was waiting to go on. And you're just nervous because, like, the thing about me is, like, I couldn't be more different in my mind than the, that audience. A very specific audience. They were it was very yeah. white, sweaty, Irish, you know, yeah. tough guys. Yeah. You, you know, like from all over. Yeah. You know, they would come in from Revere, from yep. Saugus, wherever. Yeah. And you know, it was like it was already. I was already at odds. You know, and Leary's <laughs> on. Just like he was one of those guys where you, you didn't know whether he was killing or not, but you know there's a lot of energy going on. Like so, Leary's just like nobody hammering. more committed. Yeah, that's what hammering. I learned from watching him. Yeah, he could be dying, you think he was killing. Exactly, yeah. but it's, but so whatever happened up there, it was Leary 
for 20 minutes, 15 minutes. And then they bring me on for my seven. And I, I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to jump into his energy. So I start out like that. <laughs> not, like, I do, like, the first 40 seconds you know, at this pace. And I stop. And they're just like, what is happening? And I just tanked. It was horrible. It's like seven, eight minutes of, like, that never-ending pain. And I get off, and Dominic's like, hey, how you doing? You're like, oh, he know. couldn't even hide it. Do you remember when it blew up? Like, somehow, like, Nick's had the main room, and then the, the dance club, they made a second show. Yeah. And you could do, like, nine shows yes. in one night at Nick's. Yes. You run downstairs. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah, you do you do one up, go downstairs, go back up, yep. downstairs. Yeah. Never leave the building. Yeah. And was, make a nice chunk. Yeah, big a, chunk. What a money-making machine that was. And then they opened up all those other rooms. Satellite rooms. You know, the one in Saugus is still there. That was actually a good room in uh, Kowloon. Yes. Like, it could really be good. It was like playing a theater. That was the first time I, I, I used the word cunt on stage, and it did not. It was bad. <laughs> I used it right out of the gate, and it was a long It was a long half hour, that half hour. I had a guy sh- open his coat and show me a gun. I was yeah. making fun of his wife. Oh, really? Big Italian guy. I don't know what I was fucking thinking. Did you stop? Big, sweaty Italian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was sitting right in front. He goes like this. He goes like this, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Saw, saw the butt of the gun. Yeah. And, and I went, hey, no yeah. problem. Love her, love her. Good for you. How I, long have you been married? Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't mean that about your dress looking like... <laughs> like a circus tent. Yeah, a circus, exactly. <laughs> nice leopard print. <laughs> All right, uh, so, okay, so you come back to New York and you, 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 get, you get strong again. And, yeah. then, and then when do you go back to LA? Because that's, that's when it really got bad. It seems right. No, no, I no. I went out. I went out. David and Christine Martin were handling me. Uh, Brett Butler right. just landed her big thing. Yeah, and I was being handled by right by the same, same management. Yeah. And they were like, "We, you know, come out, audition for Brett show." Louis was with them too, too, right? Yes, or he was briefly. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, for a few months or whatever. I remember Christine Martin going, "Louis, such a liar. He lies a lot." <laughs> I go, "What are you talking about? I don't really know." Uh, Louis but, be the first to say that he did. Yeah, exactly. Then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I went out and uh, no, it was pretty good. I, I, you know, we all thought we wanted to be in sitcom world. Yeah, you know. But well, I, that was that was what we were trained to do. You become a headliner, you get a voice, and then you know you get your show. Yeah, what yeah. better way to get that voice out there than be a sidekick on Brett Butler's show? Is that what you did? I, I, yeah, I played like, you know, a, a worker at her place. Oh, but yeah? I, I did like a half a season. Wow. I was there when the whole thing blew up. I watched it. You watched it unfold? Oh, my God. It was the funniest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I, I they, still love they, Brett to this day. Brett great, Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Borderline genius insanity. Yeah. Yeah. One of those people. Yeah. I actually took the picture on the back of her book, her autobiography. Oh, yeah. I took the picture. Oh, the, Yeah. She, I went to Alabama with her to, yeah. re, res, to uh, research her book. Yeah. You know, she calls me up. This is when I was still living in New York and she had just become big. Yeah. Or I had an apartment. I was staying at somebody. I can't even remember. No, I was living in the Upper East Side. Yeah. She calls me at one in the afternoon. I'm laying there watching a football game. How do you like to open the, uh, in the Westbury, uh, Westbury music uh, tonight? Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. And, and uh, who was the guy? Do you remember the Italian guy? He, he had a heroin problem. He was very funny. Did a stint on SNL real quick. Oh, Vitaly. Vitaly. I interviewed him. Did you really? Yeah. Who was, loved Vitaly. It's great. But he had a drug problem. Yeah. And he couldn't make it that night. So yeah. I opened for Brett Butler. Yeah. And then flew out to LA. Well, Danny was probably trying to be clean. He probably just couldn't make it because he was too nervous. Like, ah, I got it. <laughs> no, you're right. That's yeah. That was exactly the story. Yeah. The pressure sort of broke. Yeah. But I ended up becoming friends with Brett and on her show. And she flew me. She calls me when I was living in L.A. She goes, I got Tom Cruise's uh, Learjet. I'm flying to New York. She was doing something in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, next thing I'm on Tom Cruise's Learjet with Fine. Brett Butler flying back to the East Coast to open for her somewhere. 
Wow, that's great. Isn't that fucking crazy? So you did a lot so of I dates got a with little, her? I got a little taste of, of that. showbiz. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just enough to tease me and to keep me in the stupid business. Yeah, and I know. Sometimes you feel that way, don't you? Oh, you shouldn't. I should. No, but I, uh, I came out, though. I, but, like, I didn't even have that much success. You know, like, I never got into that rotation at all. Like, this only happened out of desperation. <laughs> you know, like. Oh, dude, let me tell you something. I'm yeah. doing, I, and I love doing this. Yeah. Radio's still my favorite thing. I it's like great. it as much yeah. as stand-up. Oh, no, definitely. Because you have the freedom, you know. Nobody heckling you. Yeah, you can that, be funny conversationally. Yeah. Right. So yeah, but so, so you're, you're an doing, inspiration. Oh, thanks, buddy. So you, you're doing. You know, oh, so you're working with Brett. So you saw that whole sort of like the the. Uh, oh, that's so sad. She used to write for the fucking Dolly Parton show. I mean, like her, like that's right. I mean, like it's way. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like because a lot of people don't know about people who are you know what their life is. Like I, you remember I was gonna tell you I just interviewed. Remember John Ridley. The black dude, yes. he did comedy for like six or seven years in New York when we yeah, started. Yes. And then he just won the Academy Award for 12 Years of Slaves. Yes. Play. But he used to be a comic. He never talks about that. Every time I see that name, you yeah. how stupid I am. I go, is that the comic, John right, Ridley? Right. It is. Right. So I finally interviewed him just the other day. And I'm like, you, you know, I remember you. I remember his <laughs> jokes. He had smart jokes, great jokes. Yeah, and, and he just like, he just shut that part out of his... You know, the resume <laughs> out of his brain, you know? Yeah, childhood trauma. It really? Chalk it up really? to that race. Yeah, but he's doing okay. I guess the hell. <laughs> he won an Academy Award. He did, right? Yeah. So, all right, so so you do the Brett thing. You're out in L.A. What was the Tony Danza thing? How did that even come about? I don't know. I, it seemed to make sense to me. It, it you was know, a Katie Face Production is the name of his company. Yeah. And uh, before I that, I got a deal. Bill, do you remember a guy named Bill Gross that worked for the William Morris Agency? I do remember him. He was overqualified to be like a showbiz agent. Right. Because he was like a financial whiz or something. Right, right, right. But I, I'm with him for five minutes. He gets me a deal for 75 grand. <laughs> Doing I what? don't remember with who. Newcastle or yeah, yeah. whatever the fuck. It, it didn't turn into anything. Yeah. Steve Pamer, David yeah, Pamer, David the actor. Pamer, I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Steve Pamer, his brother, wrote a great script yeah. for me. Yeah. It was it was going to be like a Giuliani mayor, and I... I'm a childhood friend who runs his fleet of limos and shit. And That's it, great. It was a great story. Anyways, yeah. it goes nowhere. But right. I got I to check out of that. Right. And then I, I don't even remember how the Katie Face production thing. They might have saw me up at Montreal. Right. But I ended up going to Tony Danza's house and sitting on the couch with Tony drinking Heineken's. Yeah. And he's telling me how much he made on Who's the Boss and how much it made the network. <laughs> yeah. And he's in his softball uniform. He just came back from the bat. <laughs> and, and I loved the guy. He was so personable. He couldn't yeah. have been nicer. Yeah. And uh, and and then I had an audition that went nowhere. And about a year later, I had an audition for another show he was making, and I had to read with him. Yeah. And I guess I was like nervous because halfway through the read, he goes like this and wipes my. And somebody said that's what they do to make you comfortable. Oh, like they, he goes, oh you got something on your face. He goes like this. He licked my, his thumb and licked wiped his your thumb face. and wiped my cheek like I had some. And somebody told me, yeah, he he. he that's his trick? Yeah, to, to put you at ease. That's interesting. And I was like, wrong guy. Put me at ease. <laughs> yeah, wrong, wrong guy. Christ, I go, his face. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is this guy doing? I want out of this. Yeah, Tony Dan. I, I mean, knew uh, you. Yeah. So I was at his house, and uh, this beautiful house, drinking Heineken's with Tony Dan. This is the shit that's cool. I mean, you sort sure. of take it for granted, you yeah. know? I put that in the rear view mirror two, you know, two seconds after it happened. What's next? Right. It's, now I look back on it. I go, dude, come on. That was kind of right, cool. Right, right. My wife has been in love with Tony Danza since she was 10. Right. To this day. Yeah. I had to go take her to see his one-man show a couple years ago. Oh, here? The yeah. cabaret show? The, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it cost me like 550 bucks. <laughs> after that show, I go, it was good, Tony, but Jesus Christ, it cost me a half a nickel. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> My wife gets a picture with him. Yeah, it was she great. still loves Tony Dan yeah. to this day. It's the funniest thing. And uh, yeah, so I, I ni in ninety five, I, I just met my girl my now wife. Yeah. We're just dating. And yeah. I go, I'm moving back to LA. Christine David Marmy told me to go out there. Yeah. 
and she follows me out. I go, you can come out. I'm not promising. We just met. Mm-hmm. She fucking comes out. God damn, thank God she came out. Because again, I didn't know anybody out there. Right. She, I had her over all the, you right. know. Next yeah. thing you know, she's decorating my apartment. And, and she, my wife just, I never had a chance looking back. Yeah. Never had a fucking chance. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. She's, she decided. She she saw me on HBO, Young yeah. Comedian Special, and said to her, her sisters, I'm marrying that guy. Wow. And then she saw me on Jon Stewart's talk show, and I was plugging a day to Caroline. She came into Caroline's. Which Young Comedian we Special were you on? <laughs> The one shot in black and white in the 1850s. Uh, the, the one Dana Carvey hosted. Janine was on it. Oh. L- listen to this lineup, Mark. Spade, Janine, not Not Spade. Oh. Kindler. Yeah. <laughs> Kindler, me, Janine, Judd Apatow, Ray Romano, Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy. And, and, right. And uh, Dana Carvey was the host. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Me, me and Kindler are fighting it out for the last play. <laughs> I think he pulled ahead of me with all his Letterman spots. <laughs> I don't but, know. Where's Bill Bellamy? Bill Bellamy? He, he had he a stretch right. of movies, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird how it all happens. About, but, you know, the the, the 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 difference, though, is when we're sitting here talking is that we've clearly mentioned a couple of guys were like, they disappeared. And the, the weird thing is, is that the real dudes, the ones that can't help themselves, they find a way. Yes. You, you, you know, you find yeah. a way. Yes, you do. And, and you know, you hopefully it's not too embarrassing. <laughs> You know, it's a good point. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? A good it's point. Like, hopefully you can live with it or you're delusional enough to think that everything's okay. Right. You know? Right. It's fucking it's crazy. It's been good to me. No, this I definitely. This has been good to me. No. And, and it still is. Yeah. And people, you know, respect you and like you and Louie. Like, I love when, you know, like Louie uses you in the in the show all the time. And he doesn't have to do that. No. And, but it's a friendship. And you don't have to interview me. Yeah. It's Seriously. a friendship. No. We go way back. I mean, way back, dude. Yeah, Louis is generous. years already. This business has a lot of generous people in it. Oh, it's a real, like, when you come up with people and you have relationships with people, I don't know any better people. And the thing about it is it's not like normal life. It's like, you know, it's almost like we were all in the same war together. And when we see each other, they're like, holy shit. I remember when you lost that arm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a bad (laughs) night. Bad night. You doing all right? Grew back. Look at that. You got your arm back. That's right. (laughs) You were holding the mic with the other hand for like four years. Yeah, it was your hook. It's almost sad it grew back. (laughs) No, it's been very good. Look, two two weekends ago, uh, three weekends ago, I was at the uh, Ridgefield Playhouse. Yeah. It's a in, in Connecticut. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue. Three hundred fifty right. people paid thirty something bucks to see me. Yeah, yeah, good you know, show. It's my favorite show. Yeah, and that, I, I told him next time I shoot something, I'm I, I don't care if it's an expensive place. I'm shooting at that theater. It was fucking beautiful. People on the balcony. It was full down the Come bus. Come to see you. Coming to see me. Yeah. They paid and 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 you know and they listen. No waitresses. No, you know the theater's how nice it is. Right? They they hang it on every punch. Shit, I mumble under my breath. A tagline. They, they, they catch that. It's the best. It, it was so. And I was home by quarter of eleven. Yeah. <laughs> and I get paid for what I'd get paid to do a club for a week. You right. Know? It's the best. What is? I mean, I can't complain. Do, but do you have that? And moment I do though, anyways. With it, like now that I'm doing like bigger venues, I'm still nervous about it. But like when you start doing door deals at comedy clubs, and you realize. This is what these fuckers were making when I was starting out. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you know, I remember when I got when I was headlining comedy clubs and you know, and I, no one knew me, and I was making fifteen hundred bucks for Wednesday through Sunday. I'm like, I did it, I made it. Yeah. And then you do a door deal, and like, wait a minute. Yeah. You mean twenty years ago were these fuckers doing that? I, like, know. I know. And then you wonder, like, why you know, like, well, that guy's still on the road. Yeah, because he's doing door deals. He's making a fortune. Yeah. I wish I was. That, that's all you I want. Out of, Mark, that's all I want at this point. 
I want stand up is still. I hate the flying and the tra- all that shit. Yeah. But being on stage, it's as fun now, if not more, than it was. I don't know how, how many jobs you can say about that than it was when I first started. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, I, but I just want to put asses in the seats sure. at this point. That's, that's that's what it really comes down. That's to. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 like I said, that Ridgefield thing just reinforces that that experience I had. My second, I, I was there a year before. Well, it's beautiful now because you got the you got the podcast. Yeah. And, the, and you got visibility. You know, and Howard loved you, and you know, and, yeah. and, and the thing is, you do have people that like you, and they come. It's just getting them there and getting the gig, and you know, right? Yeah. Right. And and and, uh, and I think what's interesting about you is a lot of people don't know this and you know we know it because like your public personality you know once you you decided to 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 be completely opinionated yeah you know might alienate people you know sure. but you know you have your people and i know yeah. you like to alienate people but like i still know you and louis still knows you like you're a sweet guy you're a good-hearted guy and you wrote for chris rock i mean i don't think people realize that you know that the, the difference between an act and the difference you know what you're doing and how aware you well, are i'm of not it. even yeah and i Look, you have to. Sometimes you have to do shit to get noticed. Yeah, I had to be. I noticed. You know, everybody thinks one way politically in this right. business. Right. I'm going to swim upstream. Right. Right. Sometimes bad publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. And 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 the tough crowd experience was good and bad for me. Right. It, it got me noticed. Right. And, and there's a lot of people who think like me, and they still do. Right. Uh. But yeah. But you know, like I said. We live in a time where, you know, to be an opinionated white male. Right. Shut your mouth and, and swim with us. Oh, a little bit, though. But, and I, you know, I understand that point of view. But I think that when it comes down to doing comedy, that on your best night, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to a crowd that likes you and you're having a good time. You're not up there just spewing anger. No, right. You know what I mean? I went I, through that phase. I, it was scary phrase. I, I, I frankly, I was, there was a period there. Probably, it, I think it happened to a lot of guys. You know, right after nine eleven. You know, like everything sort of snapped into place. That's and, a good point. And and good the point. anger, you know, had a had a depth to it. And you know, it kind of unleashed a thing. But you yeah. were kind of scary for a couple of years. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Nobody will tell you though. Oh, really? Yeah. Nobody. Well, well that's because we're comics. Quinn will. Colin Quinn's my best friend in this yeah. business. Yeah. And and when when he would hint, it's like having like your family member finally sit you down or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's yeah. like a father figure. Yeah, yeah. That's when I started going. What did he say? Shit. Well, just I'm afraid he goes. Some of the you know I'd, I'd have meltdowns at the comedy cellar. Yeah, a lot. Right. And and he goes, I'm you know I'm just afraid that'll come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Eventually or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I sort of knew that myself. But right. it's Fun to be. It's fun to walk that. See how far I can go. Right. Right. Part of the you know what I mean. But and, you said the booze will make it worse. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not like, I didn't drink like David Tell did in his prime or right, whatever. Right, right. Or Artie Lang. No, but you just but, want those, like when I drink, you know, you get, you know, something else turns on. Like they say, and you probably know this from rehab, but yeah. it's not how much, it's what it does to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. it changes you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not blaming it on that because I'm not a fall down drunk. But right. I, I, I actually, Gnome, the guy that runs a comedy cellar now, he, about a year, a year and a year and a half, two years ago, he goes, look, you know how me and my father love how you stick your thumb in the eye of political correctness. But he goes, you're making it, you're even making it hard on us now. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't argue one point of his. I said, I, I said, you're right. The some nights I leave here fear, feeling bad. Yeah. How I turn the room into a, you know, yeah. I feel bad about driving home what I did or whatever. Right. That's how I know it's not right. right. I, 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 I have since sort of like kept distance from that room right just to give them a break right right he didn't he didn't he wasn't gonna suspend me but you know he's got a lot of angry emails yeah isn't that weird though that whole because i do that like there's 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 a couple reasons that happens where you, where you actually feel bad you knew that you know that you did something oh yeah fucked up and and it's a real feeling and, and like i get it now sometimes i get it where like you know when you like when you're doing a room 
and it, you, you hear where the laugh is, and you know you're not going to get higher than that. Yeah, like, like it's just it's level. Yeah, it's just the audience. It's not even anything you said, but there's part of you that's sort of like, well, I'm going to have to push harder. You want the reaction one way or the other. That's right. You want to connect. You want to wake them the fuck up or right. do something. Right. Like sometimes when I'm bombing. Like or not bombing, but not doing as well as I want. I won't get off stage. I'll stay up there for two fucking hours because I. The one thing I don't want them to leave saying is like, <laughs> "He's he, a quitter." Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, so yeah. this is where you're going to be. Then I, I'm just going to stay up yeah. here and, and and at least get your money's worth of something. <laughs> but but there is that feeling where you know you know you crossed a line. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, you know. And then you sort of like there there's something about that weird guilt or self-hating thing that like it's I, it happens a lot it's kind yes. of compelling I, i'm not sure what it is maybe it's the way we we feel better about ourselves i don't fucking know what the fuck it I, is I, I knew something was wrong when I, I i got an apartment on the upper east side right before i moved to la uh, and uh here in new york yeah and, and nick's diner was right across the street at yeah. the corner yeah I used to eat breakfast my first week in the apartment i go over there to have breakfast yes yeah. <laughs> waitress she goes are you a comedian and i go uh I go, yeah. I go, how do you know that? She goes, uh, you call me a cunt at the comedy cellar like a couple months ago. <laughs> I go, don't spit in my eggs. Please don't spit my eggs. She, she laughed about it. Yeah, I go, look. Yeah. I go, <laughs> you know, I, there's no way to apologize. I go, but yeah, it, it, that's happened more than you realize. It's more common. It's not don't just, spit in my eggs. Don't spit in my eggs, please. But uh, yeah, but now like my last hour I put out, I was never another sense was killing. Yeah, another sense yeah, was yeah. killing. Go to nickdip.com. Yeah. It's selling well, man. Good. Thanks to I went out to L.A. did Corolla Rogan yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Fitzy, but it's selling well. Good. And uh, yeah, on that I was never a political comic. Yeah. But like Colin Quinn and I've said this on every podcast I've been interviewed on. Quinn said it best. He goes, "No, you're not a political comic." He goes, "But Nick, you could be telling a joke, a McDonald's joke, and people know how you voted." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, I am not a political comic. But is your uh, is your uh, your parents still around? Yeah. How they feel about everything? Well, it's kind of sad. My dad was just like diagnosed with Alzheimer's oh. like last December. He'll oh. be eighty in October. Yeah. And uh, he no, he's happy, but he tells me now how proud he is. He oh, never good. did. You know what I mean? Isn't that interesting? They get softer and they get you know. Yeah. So the Alzheimer's, he he says it, and then he claims not to remember. Exactly. I could can. I go, can you recite one of my jokes down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but he, uh, and my dad was the funny guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, that's the other thing. People ask my influence. I used to watch him riffing at a cookout mm -hmm. with my parents' friends. Yeah. My parents' friends would be doubled over. Oh, yeah. What did he do? He would just, like, uh, no, like, what was his job? Oh, he, he was a uh, business controller. My uncle owned this very successful machine shop, yeah. uh, Tool and Die. Yeah. My father's the bookkeeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he was the funny guy. He was the funny guy. And uh, I used to see him riffing and making these people double over. You know? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Even, you know, he always had funny cracks watching TV, but he always laughed at shit that was inappropriate. You know, right. he always found the dark. I tell a story about on my on another census killing. We're at McDonald's, you yeah. know, we're kids. I'm mm -hmm. probably eight years old in the back of a station wagon. The whole family's packed in there. Yeah. Like an old lady came out uh, with a tray and she slipped on some ice yeah. and like fell. And my father's laughing his balls. <laughs> He went out and helped her up. Right, that's right. my dad. He was belly lapping before he got out of the car and helped her. <laughs> and she was all right. And we're, and we're all pointing and laughing, just following his lead. You know. Well, it's it's uh, you know it, it's funny when it's fake. And why I guess why wouldn't it be funny if it happens in reality? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he was my dad. Uh, yeah, this stuff. So he he'll be eighty. My mother's like seventy eight. And they're, they're proud though. They they. 
My dad you did is, all right. They're yeah. happy when you make a living. I think most of the time they're no, worried. No, exactly. Yeah. And I'm living in a nice house in Westchester. I mean, I, it could have been worse. You oh, know? dude. Right? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. It's like it, it, it can get really heartbreaking and sad. And, we've, and you and I have both been through that. This is, this is the one thing that, you know, it's not, there's not many people that don't, who, 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 who don't pay their dues that get really big and hold it, you know, but right. and they, and we've all had hardships, but you know, they're the, the sort of the rejection and heartbreak of having those moments where, you know, you really don't know if it's going to work out. Yes. You, you know, like at our age, like, cause I had that when I started the podcast where you're like, I don't, I can't, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to, are you going to enter the job market at 45, 46? There's nothing. I still have this conversation. You do? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, 50, I'm 53. And, yeah. You know, it's well, like, like I said, thank God for gigs like Ridgefield. She yeah. got energy back into me. Yeah. And the podcast, my podcast is going, I've only been doing it two years, and it's always in the top. It's uh, great. On iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I still, you know, I still love radio, and I and I got people working on it. I, I really think that's what I, where I'm going to end up. Well, you don't you don't have to go to radio and just keep elevating the podcast. Well, yeah, maybe, but maybe what you do you're is, the only one that's figured out how to monetize. Yeah, well, a few. Yeah, well, well, you can monetize. It's just about numbers. But you, everybody, I always say this because you know my people, my web guy would be pointing to Joe Rogan and Adam Carolla. I go, they were famous before they had their podcast. Right, you understand? Yeah, yeah. I go, Marin is the best example of a. Yeah. Didn't know, yeah. Well, you're gonna, no one knew me. You'll teach me how to monetize it. Why? No, I can't tell you that. It, it, but, you know, I, what I was thinking, though, is that what, maybe you get to a point where you can have some sort of situation in the city where you drive down to interview people. You, so you have, but you think the key is having... No, have no, have no, 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 I, I don't think so. It, it, the key is really just, you know, figuring out who the hell knows how of getting people to the goddamn thing. That's right. There's still a lot of people don't even know how to do It's like some big fucking question. You know, like, <laughs> podcast, how the hell do you... What do you mean, turn your computer on? You have a computer, you fucking idiot? I know. <laughs> it's getting easier every year to find... And it ultimately will become easier. But yeah, we can talk about that. But I'm glad you're doing all right, and thanks for talking to me. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's just like I said, man. Uh, I'm really impressed that you did it. With the podcast. Yeah, and, I know, uh, I know. It's a good your, your one, time, one time in my life I had good timing, career-wise. You know, you don't know how the hell that's. It's the one thing no one can manufacture. You see a lot of talented guys, you're like, why the fuck did that? Didn't that happen? Yeah. It's like, because the shit didn't line up. The thing that we don't have any control over, you know, is, is sometimes the thing that's going to turn That's right. It. You know, I just happened to get in. You know, I had a certain capacity for radio. And, and it was just at the beginning of this thing. And, you know, I grew, my show grew with the medium. Like, you know, no one, it was, you know, there was a few guys doing it. Yeah. But it wasn't like a thing. Yeah. And it just turned around. Yeah. Well, I mean, a zillion people are doing it. So you, you got That's something. Right. Seriously. Right. I, I keep feeling like career-wise, I feel like I'm on the old uh, Let's Make a Deal show. I keep picking the wrong curtain. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, the cow. <laughs> Wah, wah, wah. 4,000 cans of dog food. <laughs> but you seem better personally, which is good. Yeah, I am. You got I a look, little peace of mind. I got a wife that, that uh, sort of smooths me out you know, yeah. and, and, and keeps my anger in check. And yeah. she goes, don't, don't call him back and leave that message. You're going to cost yourself 20 gigs. 20 gigs. <laughs> I don't want you sitting around the house. I have tweets, Mark. I've had tweets where yeah. my finger's an inch from the button. Yeah. I could commit showbiz suicide if I yeah. hit this tweet. Yeah. yeah, and she goes, oh, 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 what, what are you doing? I'm like a suicidal guy with a gun through his head. Go right. ahead, I'll pull this fucking... Right, say right. one more word, you'll be living back in that one bedroom in Queens. <laughs> yeah, she, you, she, she has like parental controls on your computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's... <laughs>
I'm like a child who wants to see porn. Uh, well, it's great seeing you, man. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Appreciate it, brother. That's it. That's me and Nick. That's Nick DiPaolo. Kind of a one of a kind, that guy. It was good talking to him, good seeing him. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Go to GetAlittleJustCoffee.coop over there if you get the WTF blend. Uh, get a little on the uh, back end of that one. You can uh, get on the mailing list. You can check the calendar. And also, if you're new to the show, go to WTFPod.com slash guide to see everyone who's been on this show. You can also get hooked up with Hal at WTFPod.com. And I've just added a new poster. I've, I dug up an old poster that I love. That you can get uh, you know, on the site now. I'll sign it if you buy it. It was a riff on the uh, Black Cats pack- packaging. The Black Cat uh, Firecracker packaging for a live WTF and uh, CD release party we did years ago. I, I sort of was... It was always one of my favorite posters, and I dug it up, and, and now it's available again. Whoa! Here come the planes. So now I'm going to play guitar. So those of you who are trying to sweep, maybe you should turn it off! <laughs>